All right, you know what time it is. It's time for the Beer Geeks Radio Hour here on Sports Hub 102.3 NBC Sports Radio. My name is Freddie. I am the insignificant, significant one. I am the anti-DJ. I'm with my round table of merry men today, and they're very excited because they have glasses, and in a matter of seconds, those glasses are going to be filled with fine craft beer. Dirty Derek, where is this beer from, and who are we talking to today? Today, we are drinking and discussing Odell Brewing Company with owner Doug Odell. Uh, now, this is a brewery we've had on here before in our our uh, original incantation of the show. This is a, a brewery we brought on a few times as a special brewery because they have a very limited distribution route, and we're going to talk to Doug about that, but they are a phenomenal brewery, and if you were lucky enough to ever, ever have had their, bre- their beer, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. They are a, beer, a brewery that has some of the best beers out there. They're out of Fort Collins, Colorado, so in the old Colorado area, and uh, they are just a phenomenal, phenomenal brewery. I cannot say that enough. They are uh, one of my personal favorites, too. I will throw that out there. Gauntlet has been thrown. It's a phenomenal brewery. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. A phenomenal, phenomenal brewery. Phenomenal, We're probably going to have phenomenal, a phenomenal, phenomenal. Yes. Phenomenal, Ooh, phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. Who ends the gauntlet has been thrown when you're talking about beer? It's not, this is, this is not a virgin walking in here. <laughs> like, it's not like, hey, who's going to get her first? This is, it's, we're talking about delicious suds, but like, I mean, we can start arguing about the, the quality of better breweries. Oh, I'm not getting not that. that. Not that I'm we could. I'm just saying it's a personal favorite. That's what, that's what the gauntlet was. Oh, okay. That's not really much of a gauntlet just because it's me. And tone it really down cares. a little bit. Yes, get into it, Sean, because Derek was excited. telling me before, you don't know what you're talking about as far as breweries. <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> Let's just sit back. I'll just keep that, like, I'll, and I'm in the middle here between you guys. I'll just keep that bottle know. of West Roulette and 12 that I have in the uh, in my bag. I'll just oh. keep that to myself. Oh, yeah, see, gauntlet, buddy. Yeah. That's a gauntlet. Throwing it down. <laughs> <laughs> well... This is a great brewery. You know, we've had them on before a handful of times, some of their special one-offs. And now we're really getting into a whole litany of the beers and getting into the background of this brewery. And uh, we're starting off, this is the, the Runoff Red IPA. And this is another one of those styles that's kind of dictated by the brewery, calling it a red IPA. Uh, but it's, you know, it really, the best way I can think of describing this one is it has like that amber crystal malt hue to it, but it, it, it tastes like sugar-coated hops because it has a lot of that hop character, the, the citrus and everything, but the, the malt choices in this give it a sweeter note than a standard IPA, so it has kind of that... that sw- it's not unlike uh, Nugget Nectar. Yeah, it has that, that similar characteristic of, of sweetness. It still has an, like a, a fairly dry finish, but it, it is, if you had this side-by-side with their IPA, you would notice a differentiation in this one. You know, I was just down at a, a little establishment people may or may not have heard of the other day uh, called a Backyard Ale House. Oh, they, that place. They, I they, can't stand <laughs> The owners they, are jerks. Yeah, the owners are a bit of, are a bit of jerky. And, um, but um, they had a – I was sampling – Sam Adams came out with a, a new Rebel series, right? So they have a session, a single, and a double IPA from their Rebel IPA series. And, you know, this makes me think of that a lot. For the sheer fact that, you know, a lot of people say IPA and they think of one specific aspect. Oh, I don't like IPAs because I had this one IPA one time. The world of IPA is so broad right now that you literally, if you've had one, you really should try every other one before you make an opinion on it. And, you know, you guys all know I like home brewing and stuff. Well, the the home brewing judging book used to have two versions of IPA, single and double. They now have 14, and they have all that. You can add all these different monikers to it, such as whether it's a black, it's a white, it's a red, it's a double, it's a triple, it's a single, it's a session. You know, and, and this is one of those IPAs that, like, 
most people would say, oh, I don't like IPAs because they're super hoppy or they're super dry or, or different aspects. This is really nice. It's got a great round mouthfeel to it, and it doesn't, it, just looking at it doesn't say IPA to me. It looks mm. like a really nice, like you said, like nugget nectar or like a nice solid amber. Yeah, ale, yeah. It's, think, yeah. it's multi-sweet, but it still has it's still balanced. Yeah, it yeah. still has those citrus hop notes. It has good hop notes that I think people would be like, oh, that's 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 hop. Yeah, that's it's, hops it's, that- it's not going for that. Oh, enamel melting over the top. Yeah. It's going for balance and, and easy drinkability. That's what's nice. Like I can say that about all the beers from Odell. They have they, they're really going for balance and drinkability. It's not about being a big beer, a, a challenging beer. Is that what Garrett Oliver called? It? I think it was a challenging beer when we talked to it. Well, whatever. But uh, no, they're not going for that. They're going for a really easy drinking kind of textbook example of a style. As they're saying, like, you know, this is a red IPA, which isn't really technically a style. But it's more of a, a label put on there so you know what you're getting when you get this. Instead of just putting IPA, you know this is a little bit of a different take. And you've seen you know, the black IPA, the, the brown IPA some people put out. It's just a differentiation within that. But what it, it's really meant to dictate is you're going to get hop notes out of this. It's going to be a hop characteristic. And, Derek, really to this one, I mean, not to throw another moniker out there, but this the flavor of this is definitely a West Coast-style yeah. IPA. Yeah. It's got that piney resininess to it that is indicative of everything that happens on the West Coast. And um, I think it's I think it's a fantastic beer. Yeah. And so I'm the, glad it's the only thing we're drinking today. <laughs> we're done. All right. <laughs> see ya. All right. See you next week. <laughs> No, the, the malts in this are, are really the, the nice thing with that because you're getting those hops, but having that sweet malt that that gives a good balance. Like that's the thing. When we're saying sweet, it's not a, a sugary, over-the-top sweetness. It's not cloying of, of any way whatsoever. It's just more of like a— Like I don't a, think you're going to go into a diabetic coma yeah, from drinking yeah, this. Yeah, it, it just it gives it this really nice, almost kind of candy characteristic, but then still finishes dry like a, like a good IPA should. So it has that, that balance there. But having those malts really push this into a, a different category into itself. And this is actually um, a seasonal for them, too. This is their, their kind of winter seasonal they get into, the runoff red. So this is the time now when this one's available if you're in it any of those fresh. areas. Yeah, it's, it's very, very fresh. And it's 6.5% alcohol. It's not a small beer either. No, and doesn't you don't you wouldn't think that taking a sip of this one, it's not one that has, you know, I mean, we really around 6%. If you're having alcohol heat in those, that then you're not a very good brewery. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it doesn't have any of those notes that make you think this is a bigger beer. This is a really easy drinking beer. This is one of those sneaky ones that can really catch up to you if you keep going on it. But Which is easy to do. Oh, yeah. Very easy to do. Because when you have this nice dry finish like these, you know, really good IPA does, you the intent is you want to go back and have another one because it, ha- it cleans up after itself and has a really good dry finish and you want to then go and have another one. It's not hanging around heavily on the palate and kind of fatiguing you and wearing you out. It has other things going on and then just have that dry finishes. Fantastic. You know what's one cool story I have about Odell's is uh, uh, one of my good buddies, Jimmy Cook. Um, for all he, he was a bartender with us for for a long time, but um, he was out in Colorado and, and ended up just driving up to Odell's one afternoon. Oh, really? it, they weren't they weren't open for tastings, but he pulled into the parking lot and he was creeping around the parking lot like <laughs> looking in, as Jimmy Cook so often does. He's like an awesome creeper. But and I mean that lovingly. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But uh, the 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 um the st- one of the staff members from the brewery ended up coming out and like took him into the brewery, gave him a private tour, opened up the tasting room, gave him all this like swag. Like it was just one of those awesome moments of hospitality that was like, you know, someone could have totally hid behind a locked door, but. <laughs> 
they actually took a time to open up for a single customer creeping in that, the parking lot. That's the lot. one thing you yeah, see really about cool. from that brewery all the time is just how hospitable they are, and they, they want to help promote their brewery. And, and it's what's great. It's like they're only in, I think, 10, 10 or 11 states uh, as far as distribution, but, like, they're they're very caring about those states. Like, they, they're very... Uh, they they're seem, owning it. Yeah, they're more like one of those breweries, like, we're only going in when we are sure this is where we want to be and this is what we want to work with and kind of go along those lines. And they really care about what they, they're doing. I think that comes from the background in the brewery and, like, how everything came to be, which we'll get into with Doug. But, no, that's what they're, they're very well known for, for caring about the environment, for caring about their community, and really being involved in that. And you see a lot of that now. Uh, Crab Brewery is really getting involved with the community, and they, they're getting together for Yeah, Great for Lakes comes to mind, and, yeah. and, you know, their civic approach. But you see, actually, I just got an email for, uh, about Avery doing a... Um, limited release for uh you know a growler for a cause you know? oh so yeah these, I saw, yeah yeah i mean it's just i yeah, mean it's every, cool that's what yeah. a lot of them they, they want to be involved with their community they don't want to just be a brewery making money like they want to get involved with the community and a lot of them really take pride in that and really get involved with charities and things like that and odell is, is no different with that they really care a lot about what they're doing as far as their impact and everything in, in the their area that they're in. You know, it's so true about like breweries, uh, breweries. Lula, <laughs> good God, man! It's only get the a, first beer, Billy. <laughs> good God. Um, he, regardless, um, breweries have such a, a effect on the community mm-hmm. um, that they're in, and and usually a lot of people are tend to be fiercely loyal to the. We think of what's happening in yeah, Seattle with Elysian yeah. and. But it's it's so true. They have such a, a no, connection wait. to this, it. Can we do we have? I mean, I thought we were going to go a whole session without talking about a lesion. So let's just tell everyone just. You know, put the pants out a little uh, bit. I mean, at the end of the day, Elysia made a business decision on. I know. Derek we, and I got, we talked about we such this. A, we, were so, we were aggravated so much the other day, Derek and I. But, you know, it, that's part of, I think, is part of some of the issue about, about our community as beer drinkers. Everyone gets so upset when we make a. When people make a business decision, they have to do it. But they have yeah. to do it. But at the end of the day, it I would doubt that Elysian's beer is going to change that much. And the only thing that's going to happen is that we're going to be able to get a more Elysian beer out there. I'm not for these big conglomerate breweries, but like I'm also very against all of a sudden saying, well, Sorry, Elysian. You went to the dark side. You yeah, went but big. People, I'm people going in the home. community went there, though. They, 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 they do see it as like uh, you know the as antichrist an coming yeah, in. It, you, you know, know. so. I mean, I think it's it's easy for us, I think, not being if, – if it was someone in our own backyard, I think we would take a different look at it. If it was someone in our own backyard and we knew the backstory, because I'm sure none of us truly know the backstory of what happened. So there could be more stuff that went on. I think if it was a brewery in our own backyard that something – maybe a hostile takeover happened, then we'd probably have a different – view on something. I'm not saying that's what happened. I, I don't bet know. ABM have went in and said, hey, here's $50 million. They sent in their pirates. <laughs> and they, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, I just think that would be a different take as far as, you know, from the angle we're looking at it now, talking about community, I, I think that would be a little bit of a different take if it was in our own backyard. But, you know, I also think that, that part, of, part of the issue with the community is, is that, you know, it's also looking for support. There was a great article in Brew Your Own the other day from uh, 
um, same Cal Joan from uh, Dogfish Head, yeah. and he goes, if you look at a lot of the guys who started this industry, he goes, they're aging out. You know, brewing is not an easy job. No. You know, it's, it's still manufacturing. It's, it's still it's, manufacturing, it's, right? It's a lot of, it's a very labor-intensive and, thing. It's not glorified. No, but it's just, like, it's just like being a bar owner, and Billy will tell you, it's, it's rough. It's being on your game 100% of the time, every day, fighting everybody off, you know, trying to get that space, you know, get that extra person buying your beer or coming into your bar or whatever. And at a certain point, you're just like, hey, I'm tired. And if you don't have a good community or a good lineup of people saying, hey, I want to I want to be the next person. I want to be the next person to run this. You know, they've got to figure out how they want to keep their business going, you know. and So you want to own a bar. I so say don't. it all the time. <laughs> yeah, you do question that all the time, don't you? I do every day. Yes. It's like when I walk out into the kitchen in the bar room, it, like literally I take a breath every time. Like, okay, game face. You yeah. know, it's feel like uh, Sylvester Stallone and over the top. Like, yep. i got to turn the hat around. <laughs> All right, my friends, we had our first segment here on the Beer Geeks Radio Hour. Stick around. Um, we're going to have some interesting insight into our fabulous brewery we're discussing today. And um, that's right around the corner. Your wedding day, the most important and exciting day of your life. You want it to be perfect. The flowers, the music, the limo, the tuxes, the bridesmaids' dresses, your gown. It can be kind of overwhelming, but no need to panic. Just relax and head to the Northeast PA Bridal Show, Sunday, February 22nd, from noon till 4 at Janetti Hotel and Conference Center in Wilkesbury. There will be over 40 vendors at your service with everything you need for your wedding. At 2.30, you'll enjoy a fashion show featuring the latest in bridal entertainment, gowns, and menswear. Plus, there will be door prizes and a cash prize of $2,500 given out during the fashion show. No purchase necessary. So enjoy a relaxing afternoon while planning your wedding at the Northeast PA Bridal Show, Sunday, February 22nd from noon till 4 at Janetti Hotel and Conference Center. Presented by Savvy Formal Wear by Sarno & Son, Tanya's Bridal and Gilbride Limousine. Sponsored by Frankie Carl Productions and John Mackey Design. Brides can pre-register free at nepabridalshow.com. You are free to choose any car you want and any insurance company you want. But did you know that when your windshield is chipped or cracked, you can choose any glass repair company you want? Tell your insurance company you want Mesco Glass, locally owned since 1930. Staffed by the friends and neighbors you trust and recommended by AAA so quality is guaranteed. Hey, no one chooses to have their windshield damaged, but you can choose the experts at Mesco Glass with a location nearby and at mescoglass.com. Wyoming Valley Motors, making good deals, making good friends. February is the month of love. And when you stop by Wyoming Valley Subaru, now through February 28th, during the Subaru True Love event, you'll get an amazing deal on a new Subaru. Lease the 2015 Subaru XV Crosstrek 2.0i Premium for just $2.59 per month, or buy it for just $23,881. Or lease the 2015 Subaru Forester 2.5i Premium for just $2.23 a month, or buy it for just $23,884. Plus, get a lifetime powertrain warranty. Now, these are deals to love, and love is what makes a Subaru a Subaru. The Subaru True Love Event at Wyoming Valley Subaru. Just over the bridge from the courthouse in Kingston. Plus tax and tax. 36 month lease. 10,000 miles per year with approved credit. Zero security deposit on select models. 1,500 in fees due at signing. Lifetime powertrain warranty not valid on lease. Model codes FRB-11 and FFB-02. Wyoming Valley Motors. Making good deals. Making good friends. 
Harlem Globetrotters bring the best in family entertainment to Wilkesbury on Sunday, February 22nd, 2015 at 3 p.m. Get ready for the ultimate family game night because this is where the unbelievable becomes the unforgettable. The Globetrotters are more than just a game. They are entertainment for the whole family. Don't miss the world's most famous team live at Mohegan Sun Arena at Casey Plaza on Sunday, February 22nd, 2015 at 3 p.m. Tickets are available at Ticketmaster.com or the Arena Box office. Welcome back to the Beer Geeks Radio Hour here on the Sports Hub 102.3 NBC Sports Radio. At this moment, we'd like to welcome to our show Mr. Doug Odell from the Odell Brewing Company. Mr. Uh, Odell, welcome to the show. Thank you, Derek. Glad to be here. Oh, I'm Freddie. He's Derek. I'm sorry. I threw you up. And I told the poor guy. You did. I did. did. I told him. You all heard me tell him that Derek's going to introduce him. All right. So I'm a dick. What are we going to do? (laughs) What are we going to do? All right. Now this is Derek. Well, thanks so much, Doug, for calling him. I really appreciate it. Sure. So now we're, we've been we've already been drinking. We had some uh, the runoff red. We're getting into the IPA, which we'll, we're definitely going to talk to you about a little bit. But I kind of want to take a step back with the brewery because the 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 history of this is really interesting. Because a lot of this now was you started a lot of this in your kitchen, correct? Uh, yeah, I started home brewing um, about I guess for 13, 14 years before opening the the brewery in nineteen eighty nine. So when you started everything in 1989 with that, like, what was the landscape like? Because that is vastly different than where we're at now. Well, it is. And uh, I was kind of curious about this recently. So I, I went back and looked about how many uh, craft breweries were in existence in 1989 when we opened. And it was, uh, was kind of hard to tell because uh, a lot of them on the list then were, are out of business. But it's... Uh, there was less than 200, and now there's, what, 3,200? So uh, wow. it's changed quite a bit. We were the sixth in Colorado, now there's 260. Wow. Definitely ahead of the trend curve with that. So now, when you were doing that, what were some of the challenges you had at that time? Because you know, I can imagine education would have been one thing you were up against. I would say that was, that was the biggest challenge, education, just trying to uh, uh, convey to people what we were doing and why our beer was different. Uh, one of the one of the stories uh, that I remember from our the guy that I hired to find me a place, our real estate agent, he told me years later, he said, uh, you know, when you told me you were opening a brewery, I thought you were crazy. Uh, he said, uh, why, he said to himself, uh, why do we need another brewery? We already have one. That meaning Anheuser Busch uh, in Fort Collins, and so that was kind of the mindset. Beer was beer, and uh, now we all know that beer can be many different things. Oh, definitely. Now, you know, uh, this is Sean. One of the questions I have is, is you know, the distribution even had to be, back in when you started, the distribution had to also be crazy because now being on the East Coast, you being in Colorado, over here back in the early 90s, even late 80s, uh, Coors was a hard-to-get, relatively, you know, rare beer for us on the, on the East Coast. So what kind of developments you see that that has changed or how is that really developing on your end, you know, moving forward with Odell? Well, um, we initially, uh, in Colorado, uh, a brewery can self-distribute, so that's the route we chose in the beginning. And um, uh, so we did that uh, for, well, we still do it now in Fort Collins, but we were selling beer only in Fort Collins for about eight, ten months, and then I ventured down to Boulder uh, to sell beer there, but... I think it was maybe a year and a half before we actually picked up a distributor in Denver. And at that time, uh, you know, the large beer distributors weren't interested in these unknowns. So we were with a uh, uh, beer, wine, and spirits house. 
Now, when you're putting all the beers together with the recipe formulation, are, are a lot of these, the core beers, primarily based on recipes that you formulated, or is this a collaboration thing over time? Or In the early days, yes. Uh, they were uh, my recipes, because since I was the only one there, uh, who knew how to brew? And so uh, over time, as more people have come in to the brewery and more people uh, know how to brew and know how to write recipes, it's much, it's much more of a collaboration effort now between uh, you know, three or three, four, five of us, kind of depending on who who seems to have the good ideas uh, for this particular beer. So, what were like the initial beers that you came out with with Odell? Well, our uh, first one was called Golden Ale, and that one didn't stick around very long. Uh, honestly, I I wasn't sure what people were ready for, and so uh, the Golden Ale was maybe a little darker than. Uh, then uh, light American lager, it was all all malted barley, and it, it had more hops. But it still was, would be considered a very tame beer by today's standards. Um, about two weeks later, we brought out our second beer, which was 90 Shilling, and that uh, remains today our best-selling beer. Um, and, and have a Scotch Ale to be one of your best-selling, too, and, and come out that at that time where I think a lot of people probably weren't too familiar with that style. Um, no, not at all. And, uh, you know, the fact that it was darker in color, uh, I didn't know what to expect, but it really went over well. And, I, you know, that, by today's standards, it's, a, it's another tame beer um, compared to all these IPAs and, and big Belgians and things like that. But I think maybe that's why it stands out and it's holding its own, because now it's uh, different than, uh, than what are the hot sellers. What do you think your – what is your personal favorite beer out of, out of your – what you're currently brewing. If you're, you know, if I, if you invited us over for dinner, what would be in your fridge? What's your favorite Odell beer that you guys are making right now? Well, uh, I, I, I don't know. That's a really difficult question. <laughs> it's like trying to name your favorite uh, child, right? <laughs> right, I know. Yeah, right. Same thing as a child. It, you know, depends on if you're uh, having a meal or not, if, if, you, if it's winter, if it's cold, if it's uh, hot, if you've been working out. Uh, but I would have to say uh, all around, uh, the beer I can enjoy in a lot of different circumstances is our uh, five barrel pale ale. Agreed. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> now, the other thing that a lot of people comment on with everything with the brewery is the artwork. Is there like a running theme behind everything with the artwork or an idea that, that centralized it starting it off? Well, I can summarize kind of how we came around to uh, the look that we have. Um, when we started out and in the 90s, the kind of computer-generated... Uh, art with uh, really bright colors was all the thing, and so we, you know, ours was just like that. Um, and, you know, kind of, it just looked like it was drawn on a computer and, uh, um, uh, you know, the obligatory the mountains on the labels and things like that. And um, we, we decided we wanted to go in a different direction with uh, something not as, not as wild and uh, in colors and more hand-drawn look. So we... Uh, hired a company out of Bend, Oregon, and they came down and interviewed probably two-thirds of the staff just to figure out just who we are, what we stand for, uh, what's important to us, uh, and things like that, and kind of designed a, uh, a label series based on uh, who, they, who they thought we are. And so, uh, you know, I really like it. It's more hand-drawn, it's more muted colors, so, uh, and it's quite distinctive, and, and the different labels work together. Yeah, it, it definitely stands out onto itself, and it has that feel of non being computer, like not computer generated, like you were saying. It has this, 
Like each one was hand painted, almost kind of feel to it, which is a really neat thing to have. Now, uh, that's right, and it actually uh, does start out as a uh, as a pencil drawing. Every one of them. There you go. Works perfectly. Now the other thing that's really interesting with with what you guys do is is your distribution strategy. Can you talk about that a little bit with where you're at? Sure. Um, we are currently in 11 states. We added Texas last year for, uh, and it's our largest population state by far. And uh, our, our philosophy remains that uh, we are a regional brewer. Um, we uh, want to stay in um, what we call the kind of Rocky Mountains, Western Plains area. And as long as we can meet our meet and, and exceed our sales goals, uh, our, our preference is to be uh, more localized. And I, I really like, uh, I think that stems from the belief that we have that when, when, uh, when we travel to different places, we like to be able to, uh, you know, find things, consume things, food and drink, that you can't get everywhere, that it's more, uh, you know, more uh, indigenous to where you are rather than the same thing everywhere. I would think that the localized idea kind of stems into the whole company culture because you guys do a lot of really cool things with philanthropy, you know, sustainability, like having with the charities you're involved with, using, you know, spent grains for, like, the the, the Lugene story is a really interesting one. If you could talk about that a little bit. Um, sure. Well, Lugene is a, a real person, and he's a, a local uh, raw milk dairy farmer, and he's been picking up our spent grain for 18 years or something like that. And he, everybody just kind of considers him, uh, a, you know, a co-worker, just like the other people who work at the brewery. And so uh, he's just such a great guy. We wanted to honor him in some way, and uh, so that's how we did it, was naming a chocolate uh, milk stout after him. And we tried to uh, figure out a way to, to produce the lactose, the milk sugar, from his milk, um, but it was, uh, it was <laughs> prohibitively extensive to do that. So uh, it, it's just symbolic. So now we are drinking IPA, which, you know, this is a, a beer that has a stellar reputation unto itself. I know other breweries have looked towards this one when they're formulating their own IPAs. So what was the idea? Like when, did, when did this beer, when did you first brew the Odell IPA? That was 2007. And, I, and that, the IPA is an example of what I was talking about earlier, kind of a collaboration on recipes. On that particular one, we started out by going out and buying a lot of competitors' IPAs. And we held tasting sessions with anybody in the brewery who wanted to come and uh, kind of dissect the beer. And, and we'd ask people, what, what are the parts you like about this beer? What are the parts you don't like? And so I think we really came up with something that, that um, the majority of the people at our brewery thought um, uh, represented us well. And the, idea, the whole idea behind it is to accentuate hop flavor and aroma over bitterness. Having enough bitterness to balance a, a good malt backbone, but it's certainly not a bitter bomb, and that's not what we're trying to showcase. Now, since that time in 2007, have the, have the uh, hops that you've been able to get for this beer, has that changed with, you know, the popularity taking off? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we've, we've had to substitute one hop uh, for another uh, that we used in the beginning simply because of supply problems. That, as we got larger and sold more of this beer, but um, we've done the, the best we can to uh, to keep that beer with the same flavor profile as it was when we began. Well, we all appreciate this is this is hands down one of my favorite IPAs, and, and we all absolutely love it. Hi, Doug. Um, this is Bill. Um, I was going to ask where do you where do you see the industry on a whole going? Where 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 is where is the craft craft beer world heading to? 
Well, I, I really see that the kind of corner tap room model is working, and I can see where there could be a lot more of those. It, it kind of brings back the idea of the, of the neighborhood bar, but in this case, they're making their own beer, and it's just a tap room. It's not even a restaurant, you know, so uh, um, it's easy entry, and there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of room in different neighborhoods in different towns to, uh, to open a concept like that. Now, the th so I could see many, many more of those. The the issue is when um, some of these uh, some of these tap rooms, you know, they start doing really well, and people tell them that they're making great beer, and start thinking distribution. And uh, you know, there's there's only so much tap handles out there, so many tap handles out there, and so much shelf space. So that's where I see kind of the squeeze happening is that the the distributors only want so many brands and there's only so much room in the market yeah there's only so, so much uh shelf space to go around but that honestly doug that is music to my ears that that <laughs> okay doug, yeah doug I, I thank you so much for giving us a call you know calling from your time zone to now uh we really appreciate it we absolutely love love odell brewing and, and really appreciate you taking the time to give us a call today well, thank you. And it is, uh, yeah, in the mountain time zone, it is uh, 8.30 or so. And uh, uh, it's not I have that to tell bad. you, I'm not drinking beer yet. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of the few, Doug. <laughs> one of the very few. Uh, All right. Thank you very much for being with us, Mr. Doug O'Dell. That was outstanding. And you know what? It's funny, gentlemen, the parallel between, like, a performing arts and uh, breweries, craft breweries, because you, you open up your tap room, a bunch of people come in, some of them are your second cousins, some of them are your, your mom and dad's friends, and other people come through and they dig your beer, and then they got you all ready to go look for distribution and go big, just like, you know, come see my Chauncey band. They're playing tonight at the high school. But none of them are paying for beer and none of them are paying for cover. All right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's the way. But the parallel is people get pumped up from what's going on right in your very own backyard. And then you get to jump into the big leagues. Yeah. These gentlemen, like Mr. Odell, that was a yeah. great interview, Darren. No, that, that's what's great, too, with their distribution thing. That's what I want to talk to them about because this is a brewery that has a huge reputation and people are always demanding this brewery. But they, like he said, like they consider themselves regional. They don't want to go that route. It's right. not where they're looking to go. They're not looking to go into all 50 states. They want to keep their, you know, right in their backyard. How they want to handle Your everything. best critics, your best research, you're going to get from the other side of the bar. The thing that caught me uh, with the interview is he was homebrewing for 13 or yeah. 14 years Prior. before he... Before so he opened 70s, in 89, mid-70s, was kind of like a what-the-heck thing for him to jump into it after a while. Yeah. Because he was just taking care of himself and, you know, keeping within his means, and then it was like, it was, what the heck? It was tougher back then, too, because, I mean, the, what we take for homebrewing now, like, we'd get catalogs in the mail of, like, oh, here, do whatever you want. Back then, it was, you had to go and try to find stuff, and most of it was stale or nothing. Well, you know, and, and Derek, to, to the homebrewing point, you know, I mean, everyone knows that I run the Scram Brewers Guild, you know. One of the things we always try and push is like, hey, make your recipes as simple as possible. There's homebrew recipes out there that have 13 or 14 different malts in it. They've got, you know, 10 or 15 different types of hops and all these different hop additions, you know. And he brought a thing, uh, you know, a very good point. You know, he's a big brewery. He's making this beer, but he has to have substitutions because, you know, what, you know, I can walk into a homebrew store and have 500 different hop varieties that can pick from these breweries don't have that luxury and you know if you go from home brewing where you're used to putting in 15 different malts into a into a batch you know that that adds up real oh, yeah. fast and you've got to the economics of it is just you know mind-boggling 
Yeah. I mean, you have to have the room for it. You have to, because a lot of those things you got to buy in contract. You got to buy in huge volumes and you got to take into consideration it's going to go stale if you don't use it right away. There's, it's a logistics. You really have to spend a lot of time getting to know your logistics if you're going to go on to that scale. It's not just, oh, I can brew beer. I'm going to start doing this. Like, no, you've got to figure a lot of stuff out on top of learning how to run a business. Outstanding, gentlemen. Sounds good. It was a great interview. A lot of points were made, and a lot of your uh, questions were answered. Billy, what do we got going on at Backyard Ale House tonight, man? Tonight? Yeah. Like like this evening? No, like tonight, <laughs> yesterday morning. Wait, wait, wait. Is it right, right this day? Like, like today? Yeah. No, buddy. it's uh, business as usual. I mean, we don't have right. music or not. Just just come on in. We got we got, uh, we got got brunch going on and in, don't uh, worry in about an about hour. snow tonight. What snow? I don't even know what exactly. you're talking about. Exactly. That's what I like to hear. Well, Listen, it is supposed if, to snow. Listen, if... if it, you know, the world can't shut down over an inch of snow. Right. You know, I agree with you. It's just one of those things that just drives me drives me back. Are you working tonight, Billy? I am. All right. Backyard I, yeah. Billy's going to be at the Backyard Ale House. You should be, too. Chicken sliders, chicken salad sliders the other night. And I Yeah, they, they actually, were on the feature menu. Very, very good. Very good. You, very. You're good. alive. You made it. I had a lot of fun, man. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. I'm alive. Yeah, we're still kicking. That's it. Check it out. Check it out. It's a good time. All right, we're going to pay some bills. We'll be right back with the Beer Geeks Radio Hour here on Sports Hot 102.3 NBC Sports Radio. Wearing glasses with Crizal no-glare lenses can make a big difference in your vision because neither scratching desert sands nor the waves of a raging river can keep your lenses from giving you the clearest vision possible. For superior water, dust, scratch, and smudge resistance, choose Crizal. Plus, Crizal gives you 25 times more UV protection than not wearing glasses. Crizal, live life in the clear. Ask for them at your eye care professional or learn more at Crizal.com. Imagine a store that lets you get the things you wanted, how you wanted. Don't want to use your credit? Don't. Don't have credit? Don't worry. Want to set up a payment plan around your paydates so you're never short on cash? It's up to you. Imagine payments that fit your budget, your schedule, your life. That's Rent-A-Center. Imagine that. No credit needed. Flexible payment plans scheduled around your needs. Imagine new possibilities at Rent-A-Center. Rental purchase transaction. See store for details. The Harlem Globetrotters are bringing the best in family entertainment to Mohegan Sun Arena at Casey Plaza on Sunday, February 22nd, 2015 at 3 p.m. Get ready for the ultimate family game night because this is where the unbelievable becomes the unforgettable. Witness history in the making as the Washington Generals present their greatest challenge ever after a five-year break. They are more determined than ever to beat the Globetrotters. The Harlem Globetrotters are more than just a game. With incredible skills, dunks, and comedy, they are entertainment for the whole family. Don't miss the world's most famous team live in Wilkesbury on Sunday, February 22nd, 2015 at 3 p.m. Tickets are available at Ticketmaster.com or the Mohegan Sun Arena at Casey Plaza Box Office. You tell your kids anything is possible. The Harlem Globetrotters will help you prove it. In Wilkesbury on Sunday, February 22nd, 2015 at 3 p.m. Mohegan Sun Arena at Casey Plaza. Are you over 25 and need to lose more than 30 pounds? If so, the next 60 seconds are crucial to your well-being because we're giving away free trials of New Garcinia Cambogia to anyone looking to lose the maximum amount of weight. To experience the most dramatic weight loss, you must be over 25 and want to lose more than 30 pounds. Call now for your free full-size trial. 
1-800-539-9459. A famous doctor called Garcinia Cambogia the holy grail of weight loss, and it's no wonder why. New Garcinia Cambogia is so powerful, you can lose up to four pant sizes without starving yourself or spending hours at the gym. But hurry, due to overwhelming demand, there's a strict limit of one free trial per household. Again, if you're over 25 and need to lose more than 30 pounds, it's crucial that you write down this number for your free trial of New Garcinia Cambogia. 1-800-539-9459. 1-800-539-9459. If lines are busy, try again. 1-800-539-9459. Beer Geeks Radio Hour here on Sports Hub 102.3 NBC Sports Radio. We're back. We have four more beers that have to be consumed. Uh, consumed. By the top of the hour, yeah, and I'm sitting with three cats that can definitely make that happen. <laughs> we can Damn do it, no problem. We, we can, can do, do it. We you are, can do it. But we are a cat down. Don't forget, we are one cat down. Oh my God! Yeah, how could I forget? And I felt so weird this morning, man. Like well, something is off. 40 minutes ago. Yeah, like what the hell's going on? I didn't look around the dumpster. I guess I didn't let the Polander, my, my everyday beer guy, man, Maybe my beer drinker. Well, we just poured a bottle now. Uh, this is Mercenary. This is their double IPA. So this is a, a beefed up one. Really super easy drinking. 9.3% and get no hint of that whatsoever. It's very fruity. It, it's almost uh, it, you know, got a lot of tropical fruit notes and everything. It's just a very, it, it's just really nice, but it has a wonderful dry finish. And really good malt backbone, but not overly full feeling. Is anyone else getting pineapple? Yeah, there's, yep. saying, there's a lot of tropical fruit things. You get a lot of that coming through in this. So now that's what's really nice. You get some mango, some papaya all the way yeah. at the end. There, yeah. there's, there's just really uh, nice tropical fruit flavors in this one, but it still has that really nice dry finish. No hint whatsoever of a 9.3. Well, you know, and Derek, we were talking a little bit, be, you know, uh, when we were off air about... Um, Sean about, Talk? Yeah, believe it or not. <laughs> about the, the varieties of IPA. You know, and, and we've had three really fantastic ones, and none of them are even remotely close to being the same, but all very delicious. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, this, Odell IPA and Odell Mercenary are two really well-known, really sought-after beers. Uh, for anybody that's, you know, an IPA fan, are aware of these beers completely, and just people go nuts for this. I, I believe Mercenary, when it first came out, wasn't a year-round, and it's become a year-round for them in a four-pack. But it's just a really super... Easy drinking, you know. Considering this is nine point three percent, that's the thing that you have to really keep in mind because this is one that will sneak up on you very, very quickly because you you do not know that whatsoever going into it. There's no in the aroma. I mean, the aroma is just really nice hops, like all those fruit flavors, some sweet malts, and same thing in the taste. Like you get no hint of that whatsoever. It's just really, really easy drinking, and that's what I mean. I, I love a good double IPA when when you have that. But at the same time, I really hate a double IP when you have that because you drink it and you're just going to have another one. Then after you have another one, you're like, oh, I'm on the floor. (laughs) What happened to my pants? (laughs) (laughs) I I will say this. As far as the IPA world goes, I love double IPAs with food. I think if you're going to pair food with an IPA, you know, the old moniker of, oh, anything spicy goes with any IPA. I really think that. You need that malt backbone in a double IPA to really pair with food because it's got to cut through those fats and those heavy flavors, and it's the best thing to do with it. Yeah, you, you, you use the important word there, cut. You yeah. know, you can complement or you can cut. Yeah, and when you, you, know? when you have those, yeah. those really good malts, they'll cut right through. And if you can, what's also nice is when you're doing that, you could have even spicy. You can go real spicy when you have a good double IPA with the malt backbone because what that'll do is that'll completely soothe any of those over-the-top spices that are going on that might... You know, if you're if you're one of those people that like torturing yourself with the you know habanero or a ghost pepper, well, you know that that's a that's a good thing you have. I'm I'm not a fan of doing that. I remember when we had uh, 
Uh, what was the the stone one with the punishment? And we had we we tried a bottle of punishment on here before. That was probably the worst thing I've ever done to myself. That was the one with the the black chili pepper. That oh, it was it was not a fun experience. I I, I love spicy food, but I I uh, I know my limits. <laughs> Sex Panther. <laughs> well, you know what's cool about this name? It's uh, it's mercenary, but it's also named after uh, the mercine uh, oil, which is in hops, uh, which uh, you know is a essential one of the four essential hop oils. Wow, Dr. Billy, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, what the hell? The, the, the name, when we were doing, you know, when I was doing my notes right, for right. today, I, you know, wow. I was like, that's that's kind of a weird spelling for mercenary. So I looked it up, and, and sure enough, it's one of the four essential hop oils. You must be studying for your Cicerone. Um, well, I have mine. <laughs> You're certified? I'm not certified. Well, oh, I'm, I'm yeah. Beer, I'm beer trained, beer seller <laughs> trained, but I am working on this the, the certification, yes. Well, we have now cracked open the next one because we got to work through some of these real quick. Uh, this is the one that, that Doug was saying this is really what started a lot with the brewery and still their big seller. This is the 90 shilling. Uh, it's a Scotch ale. If you're not familiar with that, it, it's more of a, a malt forward beer. It's really nice to follow up like a, something really hoppy with that because it just it soothes everything really nicely and you can really taste the the, the malt coming through on this. Now some scotch ales you're going to get some you know peat moss some uh, hints of smoke like this one I don't really get too much I mean I don't know if that's because I'm following it off from the mercenary but I don't really get too much smoke. It, it's just more of like that that kind of peat moss like really smooth malt characteristic I, You know I was a little upset when you when I saw the 90 chili coming out I was like really? You know, you're not going to do this before the IPAs, but I have to say, this is definitely a good, yeah. a good beer that is not overpowered by the IPA we just had. You know, yeah. I mean, I am also drinking water between my <laughs> beers, but um, it's it's a solid it's a solid beer. It doesn't you don't really get a lot of residual hoppiness that you get sometimes by going from beer to beer to beer to beer. Yeah, this has yeah. A, the, the malts, it's weird. The malts are holding up on the right, on, yeah. the, t- on the tongue after yeah. those those hoppy beers. It's interesting. Yeah, it, it, and it's not like a really. I don't know what the ABV is on this. I don't have the bottle in front of me. Uh, I written down. I know I it's have not it written down. Five point three. Yeah, it's not. So it's not like a very full mouthfeel type beer. It doesn't have that like overpowering texture. And that's why it's doing. It's just because of the malt selection is just exactly what you want with this. And you can see why this is a a very popular beer with a lot of people because this is a, this is one of those beers you could say has something for everyone. Because this is one you could give to someone that may not be super familiar with a lot of craft beers or anything like that. This is approachable beer. It's not over the top. It has some. I could see a, someone that was like a big lager fan. If you gave them something like this, it would be a nice transition beer for. From them. a Scotch ale, though, I think it's a little on the lighter side. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you know. It's not a super strong Scotch ale, you know. No. This is not a. This is not a wee heavy or anything. This is no. this is much more of a tame Scotch ale, right. but really easy drinking. Well, when I was reading the notes for this, they they actually said when they first brewed it, they they tried to take a Scotch ale and lighten it up a little bit. So that was like the objective from from day one. But you have to think back in 1989. Like you said, this is the, his second brew out of the. The brewery, yeah. you know, you probably want to make something that's going to be approachable for oh my, a lot of people. In 89, if this was poured at, some, at, at most bars, people would be like, your beer is bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. How old is that beer? How What's, old? That's one thing we, we talked about when we talked about uh, everything with, like, the sour beers and stuff, like a Jolly Pumpkin. He was saying that was the issue he was up against when you're doing something before anybody. The calls he would get of, like, yeah, your beer skunked. <laughs> like, just all those guys. Yeah, so, I mean, when you, when you have to get out there and educate people. That's, that's the thing. When you're doing these beers before the market caught up to you, you have to go out and educate someone and then try to sell them what you just educated them about. I mean, that's like a whole set of skills that, that you 
just just totally different. You now. know, it's funny. We did a I did a private uh, tasting last night with mead. You know, and we we've done mead tastings here before, and I'm a big fan of the honey wine. And um, you know, we had a lot of wine drinkers there. And, um, you know, my friend Lee Burke comes out and he goes, ah, you know, we need some sours. And everyone's like, oh, how do you make a beer sour? Like Britannomyces. And you'd, you'd swear to God someone just said, you know, I just ran over a kid outside. <laughs> you know, when it comes to wine drinkers, they don't, they, Britannomyces, oh, yeah, oh no, no. Oh, right? yeah, that's the devil to them. But it's one of those things that, you know, you really need the educated, the education behind it to explain the beer. You know, Billy and I are joking about the Cicerone program, but if you don't have that education, people can't know what to appreciate about the beer or can't understand what the beer is supposed to taste like. So they can say, hey, I understand what it's supposed to taste like. I just don't like the taste. It's a lot different than you've made bad beer yeah. because I don't understand the taste. Great point. Wonderful point. And on that note, we're going to take a little break, clean some glasses. We have two more beers that we're going to do here before we wrap up at the top of the hour. In the meantime, Ozzy Osbourne, Crazy Babies.
outstanding Ozzy Osbourne crazy babies here on the Sports Hub 102.3 NBC Sports Radio, Beer Geeks Radio Hour. We have a few more beers and very little time. So, D- Dirty Derek, I'm going to kick it over to you, and you can hear the glasses slam. We're, we're rushing into this deck. one. <laughs> All right, do it up, boys. We, we are now moving into the, the, <laughs> the dark territory. So now we, we're cracked open a bottle of Cutthroat Porter. Oh, now, this God. is another just absolutely textbook example of a really classic porter just super super easy drinking it has all those really rich malty characteristics and it's only five percent or five is it 5.1 or five percent i'm not sure what the but it's it's around a, a lower abv around that i think it's five percent five solid okay, buddy five, five solid, solid. So, i mean it, but it's a really nice american porter uh just really you get some of those dark notes like the you know a little bit of chocolate but not very bitter just really really smooth i don't know <laughs> what do you guys do with the bottom the hell is this a fry house? What's going on? We're gonna but, have uh, a we're gonna have a party. <laughs> but this is just a really textbook example of of a great American porter. Uh, just it has those notes like that's what I like when you get a good porter is you get subtle notes of like a little bit of coffee, some of the, the roasted characteristics, smooth like a little bit of chocolate, but it's not anywhere near a stout. Like that's the thing. Some porters trend or tread into a stout characteristic and, and kind of go a little too heavy into it. But I like a really smooth porter that, that's firmly planted into the, the porter category. It's a good porter. And you know what my favorite story about porters is? And they use this all the time when I do beer tastings. Everyone always goes with this. I don't like dark beer. <laughs> I hate dark beer. It's so heavy. And I go... You know, you should really try a porter if you don't like heavy, dark beers. And like, why? I'm like, because porters are made for the working class in England, yeah. right? This was the light beer of the time. Like, you went, you're going home from work. Like, this is what you drank, right? It's dark, mm-hmm. but it's light. It's not a heavy beer. This is a, this is a perfect breakfast beer almost. It, it's made, it's kind of made to be like a refreshing beer. And, and you have to think of it refreshing in England. If you ever had any English food, then you know what, what you know, refreshing can be a little different to the English palate. I mean, yes. <laughs> Tasty can be different. Have you had mushy peas? Have you ever had mushy peas? Yes, I've had, I've had, I spent too many months there and had too much awful food that, I've had numerous scotch eggs. And if you ever had a scotch egg, you know what that means. I knew a place that oh. used to make scotch eggs. Oh, I love yeah. scotch eggs. <laughs> Man, I love them. That's like oh, they one were of the, those things. They were the best told. things. Like they were the best and worst things because you saw it and you're like, oh my God, it's a genius. Hard boiled egg wrapped in bacon, fried. Why do we not have this? This is breakfast convenience. And then you take a bite and you eat it, and then a half hour later, like, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> now I know why this has not caught on anywhere. <laughs> So, but uh, anyway, (laughs) but no, this is like a really solid porter and it has that. And like, it is one that if you're a dark beer fan, whether you like stouts or anything, this has a lot of really great things in it. And that's why this is all the beers I've been like actually checking today. Cause I like to see every once in a while, what people are saying about some of these, every one of Odell's beers. If you go to these rating websites, they're all in like the 90 plus, if you're on beer advocate, everything. Because they, they really know what they're doing when they're venturing into these different styles. And th- this is no different. This is another one. I think it's like a 98 or something. I think it kind of gets, you know, shades I, of gray when you get know, into I really it. Don't, I really don't, I don't pay much attention to I don't either. I just, I just wanted to see it. I like to see every once in a while when something's like so good. You like to kind of just see what the, what, the only time that those matter at all to me, I shouldn't say matter. They don't really matter to me. The only times that I'll, I'll look at it and say, oh, wow, that's interesting is when it's a beer that's been around for a while. And it has maintained a very high rating because of the fact that 
over time, you know, as palates change and things develop, because some of the beers come out, they're, they're ahead of their time, and people haven't caught up with them yet. And when you see something that's been on there for you know, almost 15 years, you know, they came out in 2001 or 2002, and it's still like a 99 rating, it's held up over all that time, which is a really, you know, stands true to, to what that beer is. No, I, I, and you know, and I don't know, the rating thing kills me sometimes because I, you know, a lot of it goes to the, the person who's pouring the beer, a lot of per, the, how you stored the beer. And yeah, if it's I an think, old beer, people and I think I sit back and I, and I laugh at some people sometimes. And I go back to my friend Candy. We were out in Michigan for the founders, uh, drinking at founders, and Candy is not a dark beer person. So we're, we're waiting in line at this event, and they give you two free tickets to have whatever you want, right? So they have all these beers listed up, and they have Kentucky Breakfast Stout from 2010 and Kentucky Breakfast Stout from 2014, right? So people are practically climbing over each other to get Kentucky Breakfast Stout from 2010, and Candy's just waiting there, right? And this guy who we knew from nobody is standing behind us, and she goes, ah, I'd like a Rubius, right? And he just looks at her nowhere and goes, what are you, what are you, stupid? <laughs> Why wouldn't you get the Kentucky Breakfast Stout? She goes, because I'm, I'm not a fan of Kentucky Breakfast Stout. He goes, but, you know, Beer Advocate has it at this. And, da, 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 da. and she goes, and she goes, she goes, it doesn't matter if it's if it's rated at 98 on every single website or yeah, if you, you don't, know, like, that, you don't like, like that. If you don't like the style, you're all she's going to do is drink it. And then she'd be like this. This is crappy. Yeah. I'm going to give it a yeah, Why not let somebody you else? Know? Yeah, Why not let somebody else, especially if something like that, let somebody else that, you know, they want that. Let them have it. Drink right? what you like. Yeah. Don't don't worry. That's I don't even worry. Even if I went on there and all the all the beers were like 10, I would just say, oh, everybody on Beer Advocate's an idiot. Because that, that's happening I mean, numerous times where I've, I've had a beer. I'm like, this is absolutely phenomenal. And I'll just look every once in a while. just Because the only time I will look is after I have something, if there's a, a note that I can't describe in my head, I'll look and see if anybody else has picked up on it and go, oh, that's what it is. You know, we just had one, the the bloodlust, the Springhouse yeah. bloodlust. I, I looked at it right before we tapped it at the bar. The rating was like 78 like, are you yeah, out so get, of your mind? You know what? I get made you know? fun of all year long and when I go to tailgates. You know why? Because you know what my go-to tailgate beer is? If I'm going down to a Penn State home game, which I have season tickets for, you know what my go-to beer is? Schlitz and and Lion's Head in, in cans. Right. Why? Yeah, get, I, I, just get, get out. Now, get wait, out. wait, <laughs> wait. But here's the thing. Wait, They're I wanna, not I bad get in, beers. I want to get into this last beer because we only oh, have like three minutes left. Oh, three minutes. Oh, sorry. So, th- I'm this, getting on a rant. Actually, this is, two and a half. This is our okay two and a half. This is uh, we just cracked open the bottle of Lou Jean Chocolate Milk Stout. Now this is a beer that the name dead on to what this beer is. This is absolutely it's just full of chocolate aroma. It's just a really solid. It, it, it is chocolate milk for adults. It's the best way you could describe it. It doesn't have that you know because oh some, yeah yeah because some stouts will still have that kind of. Uh, in, Acidic taste to it. This is just incredibly smooth, like really solid chocolate milk. It, it's just super easy drinking. It's eight and a half percent too, which you think the lactic acid is that what you're kind of picking up yeah. with them sometimes? But this one, no, doesn't. No, there's none of that. It, it's, it's like creamy. It's so smooth. Like that's what it's the, the mouthfeel alone oh, is just yeah. absolutely incredible. Did this come from Manning's Dairy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this is just this really is chocolate milk for adults, and and eight and a half percent, which is incredible. That you no hint of that no. whatsoever. I would no. love this with like you know people do stout floats. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. This would be a great beer float. Put a scoop of in maybe there. maybe oh. reduce it in, uh, as a little like uh, fried ice cream drizzle or something oh, like that. Oh yeah, we're talking. Now we're getting fancy. Yeah, fat kids are happy <laughs> now, yeah. baby. Uh, where are my diabetics at? <laughs> 
Yeah, th- this is just. We're uh, all going to backyard alehouse after this for uh, <laughs> Odell. <laughs> I wish, we had, I wish we had it. Yeah, this is one. I, I would, more people need to try this. If, if you're lucky enough to be in an area where this is and you haven't had this, you have to try it. And if you're a, I don't really like the, the you know, beer trading stuff because you never know what you're going to get with some of it. But if you can get your hands on this somehow, absolutely try to get your hands on this. this Drink is, local, fight beer trading. <laughs> if, if you if you can get your hands on, on, on a bottle of this, it's, it's absolutely worth it. Uh, and, and it just it stands up to any of the other fantastic stouts that are out there right now and is an absolute must-try beer, as all of Odell's beers are. I, I cannot recommend this brewery enough. It was a great morning, man. Great morning, great show, great, is it great over? interview. Yeah. yeah, man. Wow. It goes by that fast, especially when you got a lineup of small, little, tiny cups of beer that you've been drinking all morning here uh. on the Beer Geeks Radio Hour, Sports Hub 102.3. Thanks, Derek, very much for being here. It's always a good time to see you every Saturday morning. Next week, we have uh, Terrapin Beer Company. Awesome. I love Terrapin. Cool. Are we talking to owner, owner and brewmaster Spike? You awesome. know, maybe he can give me some advice. My my turtle turns 21 years old this year. <laughs> maybe he can help you out with that name. <laughs> and don't forget to stop out. Stop down and see Backyard Billy at the Backyard Ale House on Linden Street in downtown Scranton. We have brunch, lunch, and dinner in one hell of a great patio out there. And you can get to see all those fabulous bartenders and waitresses. Great menu. All the Most of the craft beer we talked about here on the Beer Geeks uh, Radio Hour can get at Backyard Ale House and discover a few more. So do it up. Say hello to Billy. And you might as well say hello to Pat as well, too, while you're yeah, at it. Yeah. And Tony. And Tony and Eric. And Tony, Eric, Eric, the whole yeah. gang. It's all in downtown Scranton. Thank you very much, boys, for being here. And thank you very much, everybody, for listening to the Beer Geeks Radio Hour here on Sports Hub 102.3 NBC Sports Radio. Consider yourselves all dealt with.